podcast listeners. It's your host, Rafael Matuszewski, and this is Cut the Shit, Get Fit. This is episode 225 with Kelly Hart Davis. I am super pumped. I don't know why. I think it's because I got to sleep in and I'm at least eight ounces in of espresso, so I'm like, boom, 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 ready to go. This episode is awesome because Kelly is such a down-to-earth person and made the conversation flow so easily, and these are the interviews that I enjoy so much because it's like just talking to another friend about things that you're passionate about as well. This episode is freaking awesome. You know what? I'm not even going to tease what we talk about, so you just have to listen to it. Enjoy. Here it is, and here we go. All right. Hello, boys and girls. Welcome back to another episode of Cut the Shit, Get Fit. I'm your lovely host, Rafael Matuszewski, and joining me for the first time is the lovely Kelly Hart Davis. Say hello. Hello, Rafael. Thank you for having me, and thank you for sharing me with your audience. No problem. Super excited. So, I always like to start the show with super easy lobbing questions. So, the first one is, what do you got planned for the weekend? Oh my goodness. Am I supposed to make plans? <laughs> I, I guess. I that is <laughs> so far ahead. Um, honestly, it depends on the weather. So um, I'm in Northern California outside of Sacramento. Our weather has been um, super rainy, but then we have sunny days. So I'm not, we need the rain, um, but it's always weather dependent because we have such gorgeous hiking around this area. So if it's nice, I'm definitely getting outside. Nice. Does the forest fires come up to where you live? We have been blessed and fortunate mm. enough to not have fires in our area. Um, however, we do get affected by the smoke and the yeah. soot. Um, yeah, so it's it's like a very disheartening, devastating reminder, which I know you deal with a lot in your area as well. Yeah, like the um, last two years in Vancouver, it's like it almost looks like the apocalypse outside where it's like oh, super it's so sunny. Sad. Yeah, it's like scary and it doesn't, yeah, it does not look that great. Yeah, it's just, um, I don't know, hopefully forestry management or whomever yeah. is, you know, in, in charge of these things, we can work together to get, get it worked out. But um, more and more here in California, b- both in Northern and Southern California, it's just de- massacring um, populated areas. We yeah. used to not see that. It used to be actual forest fires and now it's you know we're we're seeing entire communities wiped out so it's um, tough like i remember even last year we my wife and i did a road trip to banff in alberta to go to lake louise and it was like with all the smog it's like you get to lake louise and you're like oh yeah there's water but you can't really see the glacier mountain behind it and i'm like uh, man this kind of sucks and like so many people go to go see it but yeah hopefully this year it'll be a little bit different but we'll see what happens yeah, hopefully we'll see some good changes. Um, so second easy question, what is the current book you're reading or listening to? Oh, my goodness. Um, so many. I, <laughs> I'm i like one of those people where I will pick up five different books at one time and then, um, yeah. I'm, I'm really hard-pressed to read something cover to cover without, like, intervening another book. Um, so, like, my my pleasure reading right now is uh, Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. Um, and then I'm also reading Seth Godin's new book. Nice. Oh, I'm, I'm, I think it's called This is Marketing. And then I probably have, like, 
12 other things that I've got open right now that I can't think of, but those are my main go-tos, my, my business one that I've got going on and my pleasure one that I've got going on. Yeah, when I meet people where they could like read 10 books at once, I just get this like instant anxiety where, because I'm like the person that has to start with one book and then finish it and then move on to the next one. I'm like, yeah, I can't live that way. <laughs> I know. So I, I usually have like a paperback or mm-hmm. hardcover, then a Kindle book that I've got going and then um, audiobooks. I'm an audiobook junkie. So whenever I've got downtime, if I'm walking the dogs, cleaning, um, you know, driving in the car, I will have an audiobook or a podcast going on. So yeah, I'm kind of an information junkie, but I'm really good at trivia. So <laughs> nice. it pays off, you know? <laughs> awesome. Um, so the last easy question is, what is the current TV series you're watching or do you watch TV at all? Um, right now, I don't have a series going. I So my guilty pleasure, like right before bed, I will turn on um, either, like usually Comedy Central on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Nice. And then um, I like... I like watching stand-up, or I'll watch uh, The Daily Show, like clips from The Daily Show. Uh, There's this other series on there called This Is Not Happening, and it's all these comedians. Sometimes they have musicians that'll go up and just tell, like, these wild stories about something that happened in their lives. Mm -hmm. They're usually, like, six to 15-minute clips. I'll watch a couple of those. Um, Though I do watch John Oliver on HBO, and his season just started back up. So I guess... I guess that's my my series right now. Okay. Um, right. Yeah, but I'm not invested in like um, one of those long term committed relationships <laughs> with like Game of Thrones or yeah. anything. <laughs> but yeah, everyone's like super hyped for the last season of Game of Thrones, and I'm still surprised that it's been out for so long. Like to me, it's like oh, it's been around for like two years, but it's been around for almost a decade. I know it's crazy. I have. Um, at certain points in time, tried to watch it. I just mm-hmm. don't have the attention span. It's not that I, I, I think it's fantastically done. Um, I'm just the type of person where I have to be doing 27 things while the TV's on, and that's a show that you really have to immerse yourself yeah. in and and get to know the characters and the the script and the dynamics of the different families and. That's a that's a lot of attention for me. <laughs> it, it, it's a tough show because, like, I remember even watching like the first and second season with my wife, and she read all the books, and I kept like saying, "Who's this guy again? What, what happened here? Why is this happening?" Like, you have to really pay attention. You can't just have yeah. it in the background. But uh, yeah. Anyway, before we keep going off the grid, let's uh, do a little <laughs> intro of who you are, what you do, and how did you get into this industry. Yeah, so that's kind of a funny story um, that most people don't know about me, but I am Kelly Hart Davis. I'm currently the owner of FitThriveWorkouts.com. I'm also the co-author of the women's fitness book, Strong Curves, and I am a freelance um, content and copywriter. So my story in a nutshell, I was in women's figure bodybuilding Um, I got into it in 2009 and I was a middle school teacher at the time my family moved. Um, I wasn't tenured as a teacher. There were no jobs in Arizona. So I got into freelance writing and I started a blog. Um, back then it was mother fitness 
And, you know, back then, like everyone had blog roles and we would like all comment on each other's blogs and like the fitness community was just really tight knit. And, um, I, I sort of moved away from the bodybuilder community and started finding like strength and conditioning coaches, um, you know, like Tony Gentlecore, Eric Cressy, Mia Shanks, uh, Brett Contreras there, you know, just the handful of us that were really, um, sort of in this circle. And I, I immersed myself in that circle. And then I started working with Brett, um, to train me as his clients and we got along really great. And I, you know, I'm like, your methods are so different than standard bodybuilding. I'm like, you should really sort of immerse, like start putting your stuff out there and, and teaching these figure. And at the time, bikini was just new figure and bikini competitors. Like there's a different way. You don't have to like burn yourself out and do, you know, all these like crazy workouts to see results. Um, and, you know, he and I maintained a, a working relationship as he worked on his PhD. We ended up deciding to conspire together to write a book um, that we we're just going to publish on his blog, just like a, a quick downloadable PDF. And 10 days before that launch happened, I got an email from a publisher. They're saying, hey, we know who you guys are. We love your work. We want your book. Don't put it out. And I forward it to Brett. I'm like, I just got this thing and I don't know how legit it is, but I think we should entertain it. And he's like, all right, schedule a conference call. Like we were not taking it seriously at all because it came from a Gmail address, which I later learned a lot of publishers don't send emails from, you know, their, their publishing company because they don't want it to end up in spam. And, you know, they just want it to be like more of um, like a low key interaction. So we got on the phone with the owner of Victory Belt Publishing and the acquisitions editor, um, so Erich Krauss and Glenn Cordoza. And like, I feel like two weeks later, we were contracted in this book deal, and we scrapped the whole book, and we started over, and, and I was like, oh my gosh, this is happening. This is crazy. You know, I was just like this little like low-key blogger, um, like figure competitor. And he, he was making a name for himself. He was sort of up and coming. He was still trying, um, you know, like that was the beginning of his brand. Obviously now, um, he's a very recognized name, but you know, he was up and coming and I was a nobody and we were contracting with this book. Um, yeah. And then as we were writing it, it was literally like him sending me like these intense, like research articles. Cause he was working on his PhD and I was, just like, oh, I have to figure out how to translate all this stuff. And <laughs> it, it worked and the book uh, launched and he's, you know, like, he's like, you're really good at this stuff. You should become a trainer. And as the book was launching, um, we put together our first online business together and all of a sudden, like, I exploded oh. and I was everywhere and I was on radios and po- podcast and, you know, like all these brands were coming after me to, to partner with them. And I was like, who am I and what is happening? Um, so my story was like the opposite of most people where they're like, yeah, I was in the industry for 15 years. And then, you know, I made a name for myself and I was like, I was a nobody. And then all of a sudden everybody wanted to know who I was. (laughs) So, um, Yeah. I mean, it was cool, but it was also like I had really bad imposter syndrome because here I am being put at the level of, you know, Tony Gentilcore and Dean Somerset and Nia Shanks and Brett Contreras and like all these people that um, really had built a brand for themselves in the fitness industry. And I was like, I don't belong here. Who am I? I don't know anything. I don't have any accolades, you know? So, um, 
that was like an internal struggle that I didn't really voice, but I felt like I didn't really come out as myself for gosh, like probably not till like 2016. So it was a good, I'd say 2011 to 2016. I was kind of like this persona of who I was and, you know, people put me on a pedestal and nobody really knew anything about me. I was like this perfect, like put together at home, you know, like mom with this amazing body and I could do no wrong. And, um, I, I just felt like I needed to be more real with women and I needed to have more, um, a stronger identity so that people could relate to me. And so I've, I've worked really hard. That's when I switched over to my fit thrive brands because I wanted women to see like, look, I got it. I'm just like you. Um, I know what you're going through. And I, I came down to people's, um, levels rather than allowing them to elevate me. Like they had always done. And they're like, Oh wow, you're not perfect. You're just like me. And I became a lot more likable. So, um, that's been sort of the evolution of my business over the past three years is just really, um, becoming like your neighbor, like the woman next door who, who's, you know, going through life just right along with you. Well, that was a really good intro, and I'm going to try to, like, unravel that entire story. <laughs> Sorry. Was, no, no, it's that good. That was, like, really long. <laughs> no, like, those are, these are the best guests where, like, I ask one question, and then 17 minutes later, they're done, right? Um, okay, so, like, maybe the first thing, I'm kind of curious of, like, how and what, like, what kind of made you interested in bodybuilding and figure to begin with? Yeah. So I was like your typical, um, I was, you know, an avid athlete growing up, but I was just super skinny. So I always had a hard time with anything strength. Like uh, speed was my game. I was really, really fast. Um, I was a good pitcher. I was, you know, I was like awesome at softball, but I was never strong. And then I realized like going into high school, it was a totally different ball game because here I was like this skinny little, like 115 pound girl who was an all-star in little league. And all of a sudden, like I'm up against like heavy hitters. Um, so I realized like my size was actually, um, disadvantageous and I didn't know how to put on muscle. And I was always just, you know, like sort of weak. And, um, and so I didn't pursue sports. And then after college, I just, you know, went the, the mainstream route. And then, um, you know, I had a family and I was starting a career and I just sort of let myself go. And I, I got stuck in that cycle that so many moms get stuck into where all of a sudden, like everything is put ahead of your own needs. Um, and I just kind of had this wake up call one day where I didn't even recognize myself. And, um, I was like, you know, I, I felt like I was in like a foreign body and I was just unhappy and, and, um, just really uncomfortable in my own skin. I had, had you know, low self-worth, low self-esteem. Um, I had a great life. I, you know, I had a good career. I had a good home, but I just, I wasn't investing in myself. And so I thought the only way to do it was to go all in, um, so I slowly started going back to the gym. I would take like body pump and yoga classes and like dip out after 20 minutes. Cause it, you know, like they were really hard. Um, but I just kept going and I kept going and I kept going and eventually I made my way back into the gym. And I always had this goal to be a bodybuilder, but I thought they were like freaks of nature. Mm -hmm. Um, like you were born that way. 
And then, you know, I, I started realizing like, no, that these, you know, these are just average everyday people. Some bodybuilders are freaks of nature, but most of them are just like everyday people that had a goal. Um, so I'm like, that can be me too. And I just decided like I was almost 30 and I wanted to be in the best shape of my life by the time I was 30. And, you know, that's kind of how I got into bodybuilding. It, it was like, I felt like it was, um, a low barrier to entry for somebody who had always been super competitive, but didn't really have a competitive outlet. And that's kind of what I looked at it. It was a way to challenge myself. Um, it, but not diving head first back into sports or, you know, investing a lot of time and energy. Um, cause some, some sports are just really time consuming. And that's why a lot of people get back into sports when they're older, whether it's triathlons or, um, different things when you have more free time. And I didn't have a lot of free time because I was a full-time teacher and a full-time mom. Um, so I just felt like it was something that was manageable that allowed me to, um, get back into shape and also get back into some type of competition. Okay. How, how many kids do you have? I have two and, um, they're 13 and 16. Okay. So honestly, like now they're a breeze. They're super yeah. cool. They're fun. <laughs> Um, they're self-sustaining as long as like they have food and water. They're totally cool. Um, yeah, my kids are awesome. Okay. Uh, I'm asking cause like, cause I literally train like 90% of my clientele in person are all moms. And okay. I always like getting kind of the opinion of another coach that is a mom of like, how do you prioritize, like, especially in the beginning of your kind of career, like the gym as, you know, time for yourself and then being able to juggle two kids and a home life. Like what were your kind of key strategies to see success in that sense? Yeah. So, um, back then I probably did everything wrong. I've learned a thing or two, (laughs) but, um, you know, back then it was like, you always have that guilt, especially if you're working um, full time outside of the home and your kids are at school all day or they're um, with a nanny or, or an, like a daycare facility. Like there's always that guilt of, you know, I'm leaving my kids all day long. I'm not spending enough time with them. How, you know, how can I justify um, leaving them again to work out or, you know, keeping them occupied at home so I can do my workout or whatever? Um but I, I've learned over time that it's very important for your children to see that you're investing in yourself um, and for them to see that you're not just mom. You know, it's one of the biggest honors to me is when my kids talk about me um, and they talk about like who I am and what I do and what I've accomplished and my personality and my hobbies and not just like, Oh yeah, my mom drives me around and she like makes really good spaghetti, you know? So I think it's, it's just a vital, especially, um, you know, for them to see that moms are like these dynamic, um, you know, individuals and they're not just, just moms. Um, you know, I, I don't, want my daughter to ever devalue herself as a woman simply because, you know, all I ever saw was my mom like doing stuff for me. And I also want my son to have like a really strong level of respect for, for women as well. So, um, that was big for me is realizing that it's important for my kids to see me as an individual and taking care of my own needs and prioritizing my health. 
versus putting my health on the back burner, um, you know, just to be a mom, if that makes sense. Um, so as far as like prioritizing yourself, um, make a commitment to yourself like anything else. You know, you wouldn't schedule a doctor's appointment and not show up. Uh, you wouldn't like come in late to a meeting or, or not show up to a meeting or miss appointments in any other area of your life. You know, those things have value to you and, and they're important and you don't want to let other people down. Um, so you should treat yourself in that same respect. Take a look at your calendar, see where you have some downtime and schedule yourself in just like you would your dentist or a meeting with your boss or, you know, a luncheon with your coworkers. It's just as important. No, I think that's awesome. And like the fact that you're so driven and your boys see that and like kind of like how you said, like if, you know, you want to be just more than your mom, especially now in this day and age, like women have so much more opportunity compared to say 40 years ago. So mm -hmm. we, I was actually having a conversation with one of our friends where she just wants to be a housewife, but she's still kind of like empty with what she wants to do with her life. And uh -huh. we were just telling her, I'm like, you have so much opportunity just not just being a housewife. Like, you can do so much more. And I think, like, especially if you do have kids and you kind of show that example of, you know, damn, my mom's a badass. She runs her own business and works out every single day and somehow still makes food for us. Like, that's badass. Yeah. Yeah. And, I, I mean, in every single role that a woman a woman can fill it has value. Um, you know, and it's it's not that you know, being a housewife, being a stay-at-home mom has tremendous amount of value. Um, but it's also a matter of, you know, as humans, like we, we're driven by having a sense of purpose. So going into, I have so many friends that are just phenomenal stay-at-home moms and housewives. Like you can tell they were born to do it. Um, they absolutely love it. And they're, they're just very, like their cup is filled every single day from doing it. And that's their sense of purpose. Um, you know, but it, it's a matter of creating space and life, a life for yourself outside of that. And that's, that's really the key balance, whether it's a career, um, whether it's, you know, athletic endeavors, whether it's volunteering, um, just find something within you that totally fills you up. And it's not just you being in service of others all of the time. But, you know, that, that one, um, element in your life that is really about fulfilling your sense of purpose. A hundred percent. And the other thing I wanted to bring up to you about the whole bodybuilding thing, when you got into it, like, did you ever fall victim to like criticizing every little bit about your body before getting up on stage? Cause I remember when I first started in this industry, training a handful of women competing, they would complain about this thing not being as lean or this thing is too flabby when they're like sitting or standing there with like 13% body fat on them. And I'm like, you look amazing. Why are you still like critiquing every little bit about your body? Oh yeah. I mean, that's, that, that's so easy to fall into whether you're in bodybuilding or not. Um, and I was certainly immersed in that sort of mindset. And for me, it was, you know, like I was, really, really small for a bodybuilder. Um, and I remember, you know, oxygen magazine was like my Bible back then. Um, this was really before social media got big. Um, you know, so now it's like Instagram is where people sort of, uh, find their, 
their inspiration, their motivation, and, you know, like the, those moments where you doubt yourself. Um, so I had really bad comparison itis and I would go through and like, Oh, I want her shoulders and her abs and her legs and her glutes and her arms. And I would like sort of create this Frankenstein vision of what I wanted my body to look like. And it didn't, it took me years and years to realize like, um, you know, like your body, your frame, the way you carry, uh, muscle mass and fat deposits and your bone structure, everything has to do with like how your physique is going to look. So there's no amount of manipulation or prayer or dieting or muscle building that will make you look like something you're not meant to look like. Um, so I think that's one of the hardest things for, uh, you know, anyone dealing with that mental side of physique transformation is realizing you're on your own journey and your body is going to respond the way that it was meant to biologically respond. And it's not going to morph into somebody else. You can turn into, um, a stronger, faster, leaner, um, you know, more dynamic, more efficient version of you, but you're not going to suddenly transform into the lady on the cover of the magazine. Cause that's a completely different body. Um, yeah. So yeah, that was always a struggle is, you know, the comparison itis, the, um, and I mean, it comes with the territory because bodybuilding is 100% judging you on aesthetics. Um, so, you know, you're always, always looking at yourself through a skewed lens because you're always going to be comparing yourself to others. And, um, you know, that's a really hard thing, no matter the, the best bodybuilders in the world still go through that, even though, you know, they're, they've reached like the pinnacle of their, their careers. So do you th think that like just body image issues in general, do you think someone can actually get over that? Or is it something that you kind of have to just like quiet down in your brain? Yeah, I, you can definitely, um, tame it and tamper it. Uh, and I think anyone is always going to have those moments of doubts, no matter what, which is totally fine. And it's just a matter of learning your triggers and learning how to do little check-ins and looking at the bigger picture. And one of my favorite things to tell the women that I work with is, you know what, this is so much bigger than you. And when you start getting in your own head, and you start focusing on all the little minutiae and start poking and prodding and picking your body apart, um, you're making this journey really, really small and selfish, um, but it's really bigger than you. It's, it's about longevity. It's about deciding what you want your life to look like in 10, 20, 30, 40 years from now. Um, you know, like my biggest goal with my clients, even though I have clients that come to me and they're like, look, I've got this cruise coming up or, you know, I'm, I'm turning 50 and I want to look a certain way. I'm like, cool. Yeah. Let's work on that. But I'm also going to like tear your world apart and we're going to work on habits. We're going to work on posture. We're going to work on all the little, little things in your life that will improve your longevity. So we're going to get you to that goal, but I want you to stop thinking about finish lines um, you know, because finish lines really don't exist. It's like, 
once you reach that goal, whether it's looking a certain way or, you know, getting off diabetes medication, whatever it is, like, what are you going to do? Stop? No. So, so let's erase those finish lines, um, you know, and, and focus on what you want your life to look like and let's future pace. Like, where do you want to be when you're 80? Um, but that I don't necessarily think that anything ever goes away, but I think we can, you know, like tame the noise and refocus our goals um, over time rather than just like constantly tearing ourselves apart because we feel like we're not good enough. So what's kind of your like system or like strategy when you do receive a new client and you could tell that, you know, they have have a lot of body image issues, negative self-talk, like what's kind of your go-to that you know this is going to help this individual? Um, I think it's on a case-by-case basis, and I like having those conversations to find out where um, where these these feelings of of self-doubt, self-deprecation, low self-worth. Like, let's dig into that and and kind of figure out um, you know why we're feeling this way. Where are these things coming from? Because a lot of times people don't think about those things. And I am by no means a psychologist at all. Um, but just shifting someone's mindset, I feel like that changes the person's physique more than anything. Um, because a lot of people don't understand, like, you know, our, our DNA is constantly restructuring itself and so much of this happens because of the thoughts that we have in our head and the belief system that we've created. So when you have a negative thought, whether it's about your body, your life, um, an interaction that you had, though humans are the only creature on the planet that can create stress simply by having a thought. So if you have a stressful thought, whether it's about your cellulite, whether it's about um, you know stubborn belly fats. If you're constantly thinking about that, you you create a belief in your um, you create a belief system around that thing, and then you're having those negative thoughts, and it actually causes you to express chemicals into your body that create stress. So my biggest goal is to reduce stress around this thought, so we stop creating those stress induced chemicals that can leave you stuck in this pattern. And it's, it's pretty impressive. Like once, um, you know, we start turning those triggers off, like how quickly people's bodies change. And they're like, Whoa, like this is, you know, this accountability, this workout, whatever. It's amazing. I'm like, uh, no, we're just, um, changing your belief system about yourself. And that's why your body is changing. So, um, different clients respond differently, but it's it's pretty impressive. My my favorite thing about coaching people is when I start hearing things like, "Hey, you know what? I just led this board meeting and I stood up tall and I had good posture and I made eye contact and people respected me. Like there was just a different level of conversation going on. Or you know, I, I just organized this entire event and um, you know, it was like the most enjoyable." stress-free experience I've ever had and my anxiety was gone and they just start noticing like all these these switches in their belief systems about themselves and they start showing up in the world differently and those are those are my favorite transformations body aside like you know I love when people's bodies transform 
but when they start showing up in the world differently, that, that to me is like the ultimate goal as a coach. Well, that's huge. And I, I think honestly, just talking to another individual about it is such a huge thing. Cause most of the time, a lot of people are just left with their own thoughts and devices and then yeah. they start believing it and then they just think it's true. But then when you start talking to a coach or a friend who went through that same adversity and you mm-hmm. just kind of like your eyes open a little bit, you're like, Oh, I don't have to think this way. Like that changes a lot of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Or, you know, just having people go inside and and become really introspective. And, you know, one of my favorite responses when I ask somebody a question is they're like, wow, I've never thought about that before. You know, you're just kind of just having that, that shift where you're causing them to think differently actually changes your gene expression and, you know, like your whole physiology changes. Um, so it's pretty fascinating. Like I study epigenetics and neuroplasticity. Um, you know, I, I think it's it's fascinating. It's all like very new science, but um, it's it has helped me tremendously overcome a lot of um, shame and, and, and different aspects of my life that I was dealing with. So if I can bring that into my coaching and, you know, just help people... Um, take a holistic approach to fitness because I believe mental fitness is as important as physical fitness. And if we're not converging the two, um, you know, you're leaving out like 50% of the transformation. If you don't tap into the emotional side of what you're doing. Oh, hundred percent. And the other question I wanted to bring up too, is like, how much do you think our environment influences how we feel on the mental side and also when it comes to like body image issues, negative self-talk and honestly everything that we do. Oh yeah. I think, um, so much of it has to do with, um, our feelings about ourselves. And, and I mean, there's, there's just different, you know, certain things in our environment that we can't control, but we can control how we interact and respond to things. And that's, those are such important conversations to have, you know, especially like, like if, um, I've had so many friends and clients who have gone through like big transformations, like we're talking like hundred pound weight loss and you literally have to change your identity as a human being when you do that. Um, which most people don't realize like that's a shift that they've gone through. Like you have to become someone else in order to lose a hundred pounds And along that journey, you're going to get a lot of naysayers because um, people's own insecurities pop up. So I've known so many people that, you know, they've lost friendships. They've, they were like judged really poorly because of their lifestyle transformation. And, um, you know, so certain environmental factors we can't control, but we can control our response to them. But as far as our personal environments, you know, there are so many changes that we can make in our personal environments that can improve our overall quality of life, which will improve our response to, you know, our fitness and diet programs. Um, so yeah, definitely encourage people to take a look at their environment, whether, you know, like look at your desk at work, like is your desk neat and organized? Is your home neat and organized? The way that we treat our belongings and our space is reflective of what's going on inside of our body. So that's huge. Um, you know, are you a hoarder? Do you have clutter? Do you let laundry pile up? Do you have stacks of mail on your dining table? So you eat on the couch, like 
once you start sort of cleaning up your life, it becomes so much easier to really um, focus and, and sort of clean up your body, you know, your nutrition and your fitness um, is really reflective of like how you manage the rest of your life. Have you ever seen in your experience like negative relationships being like family, friends, and even spouse causing a lot of issues? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I have worked with many women who, you know, like they're, they're going through, um, divorce or, you know, they, they do have someone in their life that is, um, I hate the word toxic because I feel like every, everyone is just doing the best that they can with the tools that they've been given. Um, and obviously as a coach, we're only seeing one side of the story, but I definitely have seen how, um, how a negative relationship in your, in your life can impact your body and your health tremendously. You know, I went through a divorce a few years ago and I was a train wreck, you know, and it it wasn't, it wasn't an awful, like drag each other through the mud divorce, but it, it definitely takes a toll on your body. And, you know, leading up to the time we decided to get a divorce, like I, even though I worked out all the time and I, I ate well, like I looked like a different person. I, I was the same weight that I am now, but I looked heavier. Um, I just looked tired and old and, you know, he and I both were sort of in that, that, um, space where you're just so stressed out because of all the negative energy in your life that it really affects, um, the physiology of your body. So there are certain, um, you know, like I'm, I'm a huge advocate for, for constantly working on relationships or, um, distancing yourself or letting go of relationships that don't serve you. Some of those are easier to do than others, but yeah, definitely have those check-ins and see like every time I interact with this person, like how, how do I physiologically feel? Is it affecting me? Um, you know, like every time I leave work, do I feel like I need to chug a glass of wine just to like overcome that interaction that I have with my boss or, you know, am I afraid to have a voice in my, in my marriage or do I let my mother-in-law just badger me all the time and I don't ever stand up for myself. So you really have to start looking at, um, the interactions that you have in your life and, and get really jealous with your, your, personal space and, and what energy you allow into it, you know, like, are you getting as much out of this relationship as you're putting in? And, and if you're not, then why are you investing so much time in it? Um, cause we only have so much time on this planet. We don't know when our last, last breath is going to be. And so I think we should really get jealous and cherish our time, um, you know, and, and making sure that we're surrounding ourselves with positive energy as much as possible. Why do you think a lot of people have trouble letting go of a relationship when they know that their life would be so much better if they just ended it? Like I find, I I know a handful of people that went through that where, you know, their spouse clearly was not the right choice. They both are like at each other's throats all the time and the individual knows it would be easier to get rid of the whole relationship, but for some reason they decide to just stay in it and just grind it out. Yeah. Um, I am by no means like a, a relationship sure. psychologist or anything. Uh, I think it looks different for everyone, but you know, that just like we can sort of frame it around, you know, why do people choose to drink a two liter of soda and eat 
um, a bag of chips every day, even though they know like life could be better if we reformed those habits and made better choices. Um, but humans are comfort creatures, right? And and it's almost like we've invested so much of ourselves into this thing that um, we're afraid of. You know, what's what is the alternative? What what if? Um, what if we can work things out? You know, just the same, the same way we treat our bodies, we certainly um, treat our emotional health and our relationships. And I think I've noticed with, um, you know, dieting and exercise choices, like people don't realize how bad they feel until they start feeling good. Like some people don't realize how bad a relationship is for them until, you know, they either heal together or they decide um, this isn't working and they heal apart. Um, you know, so much of that is reflective on all the choices and, and habits we make. Um, like you and I know when we we eat poorly consistently or, you know, like we don't have enough movement in our lives, we instantly know like, oh, I, I just don't feel good. Like I need, I need to go for a run or I need to get to the gym. I've been sitting too long or... You know, like I overindulged and I had way too much pizza at the football game and I just feel like junk and like I can't eat like that all the time because we've had the experience of what it what it's like to feel good. But a lot of people have never had that experience. Um, so it's it's pretty fascinating how what we do with our bodies and, you know, what we do with our emotional health, our relationship health, it, it kind of all converges. And, you know, it's like, you see a lot of people who, um, who go from like being inactive and not eating well to adopting a fit lifestyle and their partner doesn't. And then like, there's just this divide in the family because the, the healthy partner is like, Oh, you have no idea how great I feel. I want you to know what this is like. And the other partner feels like you're just trying to change who I am. Um, you know, so there's, there's so much that goes into that, but the, I guess the bottom line is we don't know what it's like to feel bad until we feel good. Well, I know what you mean. Cause like a couple of years ago, I had to make the decision of ending my relationship with a business partner and the moment that I actually took that leap, like, mm -hmm. holy crap, like that feeling, I could not like describe it. But yeah. after when it was done, it was like this giant weight lifted off my shoulders. And now mm -hmm. the position where I am in my career is so much better. Like I'm actually happy every day. And even my wife yeah. was like, you don't even understand how much you've changed. Like there's like this like aura around you essentially, yeah. but it's, it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure the, you know, the, the partner, it was a relief for them. And mm -hmm. it's like, like, it's hard. It's hard making those life altering decisions, but we don't grow unless we change. And sometimes change means that, you know, means letting go so that we can let in. And that's one of the hardest things, um, you know, like, my ex-husband and I, we were together for 18 years and we have two kids together. Um, and getting divorced was like one of our best, uh, decisions as parents and as adults, because now, uh, we're, we've both grown tremendously. We're both very happy. You know, we're both raising our kids. Um, and I, I, though it was like a hard decision, it was a great decision. Um, I can't say it works that way for everyone, but 
yeah, it's just sometimes we have to let go to let in and to grow. And, um, it's a very hard thing. You know, you probably hear it all the time as people, um, who are embarking on a new fitness and nutrition lifestyle. Like the biggest worries is like, Oh, all this stuff I'm going to have to give up. And it's like, well, let's shift that mindset and think about everything that you're going to gain, you know, like is giving up your, your nightly bowl of ice cream worth gaining, you know, 27 different health benefits, you know? So you just kind of have to reframe, like, what am I gaining by letting this go? Perfect. And I think that's a good place to end it and have the very last question of, if people wanted to find out more about you and what you got going on on the online space, uh, where they can find you online and any other projects you have coming out and anything else you want to plug on my show, you can right now. Yeah, thank you. Um, so my main site is fitthriveworkouts.com. I've got tons of articles, workout suggestions. If you head there now, I have a free three days to a better squat mini series that you can subscribe to. Um, and then, you know, I do offer online workout systems on there, personal online coaching and, um, Kelly Davis fit is my Instagram handle, which is where I post, uh, workout tips and advice and like inspiration and education. Um, that's probably where I'm most prolific. I, I wouldn't say that I'm like crazy about social media, but I definitely always have good content there. Um, I'm on Facebook, but I think Instagram, like if you're not on Instagram, you can look up fit thrive workouts on Facebook and follow me there. I, I offer content on Facebook as well. Awesome. So as far as new projects, no, I don't have new projects. (laughs) Um, that was like my, my goal this year is to stop creating. (laughs) So so nothing new coming out this year, but (laughs) awesome. Uh, so thank you so much for your time. This was amazing. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. And um, I appreciate your audience tuning in and listening. Boom. So that's going to wrap up episode 225 of Kelly Hart Davis. And guys, I am happy to say that I got rid of my other web developer that's been all over the map for my freaking landing page so I can finally, finally release my damn ebook. And today... I'm gonna have the website done and I will be releasing the release date of my book finally. It's been such a freaking drag working with web developers and web designers for this thing. I am just so over it, but I'm excited to see the light at the end of the tunnel. I can finally release it and also announce my next project that I've been working on. So I am so stoked for you guys to be able to finally see my hard work for the last year for this book. So if you haven't done so already, hit the show notes, add yourself to the pre-sale, I can't even speak right now, pre-sale list, and you will get an email before everyone else 24 hours before the release date so you can get yourself a copy of the ironclad body training system and i'm honestly so so excited for you guys to experience it and follow the program and see results pain-free in the gym that's it for me share this podcast add me on facebook if you have any questions feel free to reach out i'm always here to help 
have an amazing day crush this fucking week like every week that you've been doing since you've been listening to my show and you're gonna see the success both in the gym and out that's it for me